Here's a message from Ken Lavica. As you get older, you lose the sports behemoths in your life. Stone Labanowitz hit the open. Who ready? I'm ready. Who ready? I'm ready. Who ready? I'm ready. Well, give me my dirt theme music, dude. Ken Lavica. Get a run in, make an early cocktail, cut a gummy in half. Theo Dorsey. Very excited to have the opportunity to add him to the team. Stone Labanowitz. When I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Live from the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios. It's LaVica, Theo, and Stone on ESPN 106.3. You know, I think I speak for everybody listening right now when I say, if you're a sports fan of any age, there is someone that you never saw play live in person. You weren't around. You didn't exist while that person was in their physical prime. But then because of, of, of tales of yore and what your parents pass along to you and what you know about the teams that you follow as a kid and the all-time greats, you feel a connection with certain athletes, legends, mythical creatures. And they're not myths because they existed, but uh, they, they perform things that you as a kid, you, you, you translate as superhuman. And again, you never saw with your own eyes, but it, sometimes the tales of how great someone was are better than actually seeing the person perform. And so that's where I find myself with Dick Butkus, who passed away at age 80 yesterday. Dick Butkus the Chicago Bears linebacker, great. I also uh, grew up uh, with both my parents going there, a big University of Illinois fan. Uh, so Dick Buckus, uh, being a, a, an Illinois guy, uh, was Bears through and through, was George Hallis through and through, was that Bears organization. So, so young me, I never saw Dick Buckus play. I saw him in TV shows, and I saw him in movies, and I knew of Dick Butkus, the Hollywood guy, who occasionally with that mustache and that big burly frame would show up to Soldier Field and send grown men frothing at the mouth. Uh, I knew Dick Butkus from the tales of aggression, from the borderline psychopathic on-field behavior, him just being a big old hunk of football meat, angry football meat. But you develop a connection with these people, even if you never saw them play, because again, you were inundated with the tales, with the with the the legend of said player. And I have to admit that I I felt sadness last night sitting at home right before the start of the, the Bears and Commanders when I saw that Dick Butkus had passed away. Uh it, it's it's sad, and again, I never knew the guy, I never talked to the guy, but you feel like you know him. And, and this is why all of us can relate to this, though. It's because when I was growing up, and uh, I mean, I, I rip on Dolphins fans and the Dolphins fan base for living in the past. The Bears fan base lives in the past more than the Dolphins fan base Easy. does. Okay? Uh, whether it's George Hallis, whether it's Dick Buckus, whether it's Gale Sayers, whether it's the 85 Bears. I mean, it, it shows just how little success the Bears have, have had since 85. But boy, even today, you'll go into 
you'll go into a, a, a random Euro place in Chicago or suburban Chicago and you still see posters of Gary Fensick and Steve McMichael. Okay? So they live in the past. But growing up, you see the documentaries and you hear the stories about Dick Butkus injuring people, being the hardest hitter out there, being the most physical presence on the football field, being the Bears legend. I mean, I grew up at a time where Mike Singletary was, was roaming the linebacking core of the Bears. The comparison was always Butkus, 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 Butkus. Always Dick Butkus. And so... Passing away yesterday, I've got to admit, 39-year-old me who never saw him play but heard tall tales about him, a lot of them accurate, so maybe not necessarily tall tales, but the ultimate tough ass, I felt sadness yesterday. Uh, let's go ahead and do what we do to start off each Friday here on Levicka Theo and Stone on ESPN 106.3 and bring on our NFL insider. He is ESPN's Mike Tannenbaum, former Jets GM, former Dolphins, uh, the, the vice president of, uh, of operations with the Dolphins. And uh, Mike, I've been talking about uh, Dick Butkus, and I never saw him play, but growing up in Chicago, I, I, I was always struck by the legendary mythical status in which he held. You, you have these stories passed down from previous generations, and every fan of every sport has this player that they never saw play, but you develop a connection with that person. You, you are inundated with tales about this person. Who, who was that for you, a young Mike Tannenbaum who never saw this athlete play but always heard about this athlete? Who was it? You know, probably uh, Joe Namath. You know, growing up in the Northeast, born in New York, grew up in Boston. You know, Joe was sort of like a mythical figure to me, and obviously he was such a, a pioneer in terms of how, the, you know, the leagues sort of collided, the old AFL and NFL, and um, I would say it was him. But um, I heard what you said about Dick Buckus and uh, really echo those sentiments. He was, you know, really transformational. This is a guy that hasn't played in 50 years, and people still talked about him as, you know, one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah, and especially at that position, the way it, it, it's evolved, and now you have legitimate track athletes that uh, that play linebacker. He was far from that, but uh, just the, 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 the menacing way, the intimidating way in which he, uh, he went about his business, that's what, what the reputation was. Who would, who would you say over the last, oh, I don't know, 10, 15 years, and I know that's a broad timeline, so I apologize, but in your opinion, when you thought that's an intimidating player, who immediately comes to mind? Yeah, you know, Palm Beach has owned uh, Ray Lewis. You know, I think Ray Lewis was a guy that sort of like was transformational um, in terms of how he played the middle linebacker position, and he really was somebody that was extremely intimidating, and I would say him and Ed Reed are two guys that really like have set the tone for that Raven organization that, candidly, to this day, we still talk about, oh, that tough Raven defense, and, you know, I hear it from Bart Scott and Rex Ryan, but, you know, the people that really started it were... Ray Lewis and, and Ed Reed to a certain extent. You uh, you brought in uh, to to the Dolphins a guy that I always considered to be the most intimidating player for a variety of reasons, and that's Indomitian Sue uh, when uh, when he came in uh, along the D line. When you when you met Indomitian Sue and you sit down with him and you, you talk, what is what is he like off the field to compare to what we knew of him on the field? Yeah, fascinating juxtaposition, Ken. That, that's really a great question. Indomitian is like almost like to a certain extent, believe it or not, like soft-spoken, reticent, somewhat reserved, and then obviously turned on, turned it on when he played because he was 
you know, obviously a great player, arguably a Hall of Famer. Um, so, yeah, sometimes these guys aren't what you see is what you get. You know, Curtis Martin, one of the fiercest competitors I've ever been around, was quiet off the field. So, you know, they had this ability just to flip the switch, and, you know, that's what these all-time greats can do. Mike Tannenbaum with us here, our NFL insider. You see him all over ESPN, and he joins us Fridays on ESPN 106.3. Uh, how shocking was last night's results, the, the Bears a massive first half and picking up their first win in 15 tries, beating the Commanders last night? How, how shocking was that result to you? Very, very, very shocking. You know, it was uh, third and... 14, and uh, he got sacked, Justin Fields got sacked by Montez Sweat, and I think we all felt like, okay, kick the field goal, and away we go. But, you know, I'll give credit from this standpoint. They won the toss, Chicago won the toss, and they um, elected to take the ball. And I think that mindset is sort of how they played. You know, they, they came out swinging from the uh, get-go, and they were the better team uh, really in all three phases. And give them a ton of credit because, you know, you lose 14 straight guys, that is brutal um, for them to have, um, you know, the leadership, the focus to go on the road five days after an absolutely brutal loss at home, after losing 14 straight. Give them a lot of credit. I think that we're going to talk ourselves until we're blue in the face about what Justin Fields is, what he can be. Today, there's a lot of pro uh, Justin Fields spin out there. He put up and has put up some big numbers over the last couple of weeks. But I want to focus more on DJ Moore, who was ridiculous last night. Three touchdowns, up near 250 yards receiving. Is he in the conversation for most underappreciated player in the league, in your opinion? Yeah, I think so. I think that's a really good way to put it. You know, to their credit, when they made that trade and they went with Justin Fields over Bryce Young and got Carolina's first-round pick next year, which seems to be a really interesting pick, um, you know, D.J. Moore was consequential. And I don't know if he's, you know, the top of the top, you know, the front line, you know, whatever, like the Justin Jefferson, Tyree yeah. Kills of the world. But I think what he is is a really good B+. And, you know, he won, last night he went off and – Emmanuel Forbes, for those listening who play fantasy football, A.J. Brown against poor Emmanuel Forbes last week had a monster game. D.J. Moore last night had a monster game against Emmanuel Forbes. I don't know who Washington plays in 10 days, but if you play fantasy, take that receiver. <laughs> a little fantasy tip here from Mike Nugget. Tannenbaum here on ESPN 106.3. The man is always full of surprises on Friday. A couple more here. We find out this morning that Chase Claypool getting out of Chicago. He has been traded. Uh, he's going to join the Dolphins receiving core. It's basically a sixth-round pick swap at this point. Can Chase Claypool come down and, and make an impact with the Dolphins? Or do you feel like this could it's just going to end up being sort of a, hey, we have him, good. It could ultimately just be a throwaway type of deal. Yeah, you know, I, I like this move for Miami from this standpoint. You know, this is what I'd be saying to him as he came into the building today. Hey, look, we're your third team in three years. And you know, last time I checked, the Bears are trying to win. Last time I checked, Mike Tomlin is going to be a Hall of Fame coach. So this is probably your last stop. And whatever happened there is ancient history. But you can play a lot or you could be out of the NFL. We go by what we see. You got a fresh start. We don't want to hear whose fault it was because that was a long time ago. Come in here, be the first one in, be the last to leave, be a great teammate, and have some fun. I am concerned about Bryce Young 
Uh, the Panthers are going to be 0-5 after they lose to the Lions on Sunday. Bryce Young's already been banged up. Bryce Young's throwing a lot of, in, of interceptions. He's not making big plays. Uh, the Panthers, to me, feel like they're in a bit of a tenuous spot here. You don't want to crush the guy's confidence, but you also want him to get reps. How in the world do you handle Bryce Young? Yeah, you know, Bryce Young has to play... Um, he was a very, very talented player. He looks small. He looks undersized right now. Candidly, even though they lost in Seattle, Andy Dalton ran that offense a lot better than Bryce Young has. So, But I'm a believer in him, and I think he'll get better. Um, they need a receiver. I know uh, there was some speculation that could Claypool go to Carolina. Obviously, that didn't happen. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens. But Bryce Young, to me, needs to play. Most likely undefeated team to no longer be undefeated after this weekend. The 4-0 Eagles at the Rams or the 4-0 49ers hosting the Cowboys? Yeah, I think it's going to be the Cowboys being around. If you go back to uh, minute 30 in the second quarter uh, in the playoff game, second and two at the plus 18-yard line, Dak Prescott threw an interception, and I think Mike McCarthy basically said, hey, that's the end of Kellen Moore. Um, we're we're going to not play offense that way and guys like here are a couple unbelievable statistics right now the dallas cowboys are 31st in the nfl in yards per pass attempt meaning they are not you know getting the ball down the field but they're fourth in scoring basically they're not playing football guys they're playing a game of keep away and it's working and what mccarthy's saying is like hey if we're going to lose you're going to have to beat us on offense against our championship defense and um it's really interesting his approach so I don't think they're going to turn the ball over. Dak had two interceptions the last time they played the 49ers, and I don't expect that to be the case this year. I, I, I like the prediction. That's a good one. Uh, final question here, Mike. How many times have you you've been baited into a Taylor Swift conversation on ESPN television this week? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, whatever the number is, take the over. <laughs> and uh, You know what's really funny, though? Here, here's the part that cracks me up, guys. Like You hear people like criticizing like NBC for... Mm-hmm you know, making her a big part of the telecast. You know, well, if we were running a network and we had a way to juice the numbers the way she juices the numbers, we'd be doing it too. <laughs> that game, the, the Kansas City Chief Jet game, was the second highest TV show in the country outside of the Super Bowl. So uh, it's really amazing the phenomenon she's created. Well, and that is why Mike Tannenbaum's successful at running businesses uh, financially. He knows the numbers, and I'm just a bloviating talk show host because he understands from a business standpoint that she sells, and I'm just a, an annoyed old man. Mike, appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week, okay? Ken, I could bloviate with the best of them. <laughs> Fun. Professional bloviator. He does so on ESPN and on this radio show. Mike Tannenbaum here on ESPN 106.3. Great stuff from Mike T. Uh, so I want to, I, I'm going to, I'm going to just throw this out to you, Stone, because we do have Live Golf's Pat Perez. That's right. I'm going to repeat that. We do have Live Golf's Pat Perez at 1245. Okay, let me repeat that one more time. Please. 1245, Pat Perez. He is one of golf's great heels. Is that a pretty appropriate way to put it? He's one, one of, the of best, golf's bad guys. He's one of the best ball strikers in the world as well. So give this man his respect. Ball striker, bad guy heel. Yeah. He joins us at 1245 here on uh, Lavica Theo in Stone. Should I take a break and should we come back to talk uh, legendary athletes we never saw play? 
but we felt impacted by. Should I take a break now, get that out of the way, so that we have uh, a lot of time to pick the brain of one Pat Perez on the back end of the hour? Yeah, so typically there's three segments in an hour. We just did an NFL one. We'll do a legend segment in segment two, and then another legend segment in segment three with Pat Perez. So it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Pat Perez legend. All right. Yeah, let me, let, let me, let me tell the, uh, the folks about Baptist Health Orthopedic Care, and then we'll get to our first break. Are you experiencing foot and ankle pain? Need to see an expert in the field? Baptist Health Orthopedic Care is a team of foot and ankle orthopedic surgeons and specialists who are regarded as leaders in their specialty. Visit baptisthealthnet slash ortho to learn more today. Baptist Health Orthopedic Care combines its resources of experienced physicians, leading-edge treatments, and technology to provide advanced orthopedic foot and ankle joint replacement spine and sports medicine care. Visit baptisthealthnet slash ortho. For more information today, Baptist Health Orthopedic Care has offices conveniently located in Palm Beach County through the Florida Keys. Learn more by visiting baptisthealth.net slash ortho. I'm going to throw out the question. I want you you, you all to let it marinate in your brain, okay? And feel free to weigh in. God knows we have the time. Who is the legendary sports hero from before your time you always heard about as a kid? I want you to go back to your childhood. For some of you, it's in black and white. For people like me, it's, well, the late 80s and the 90s, the best time to be alive, in my opinion, in human history. Who was the legendary sports hero from before your time you always heard about as a kid? Because for me, it was Dick Buckus, before my time, but an absolute legend held up on a pedestal in the city of Chicago where I was born and raised, and he passed away yesterday. Who is the legendary sports hero from before your time you always heard about as a kid? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. That's 888-760-3776. Social media is jam-packed at KLV1063. He's Stone Labanowitz. I'm Ken Levicka. It's a Friday. Cheer up. It's Levicka, Theo, and Stone right here on ESPN1063. <laughs> From the Anajar and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's LaVica, Theo, and Stone on ESPN 106.3. I'm only saying this as someone who would know growing up in Chicago, but one of the, one of the, or the mythical sports figure, and I think the torch was passed when Walter Payton passed away. It was Dick Butkus and... He passed yesterday, and so it, 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 just any. It, let me give you some background. In Chicago, yes, people love the Cubs. Right, people love the Cubs, the White Sox, the team I am a huge fan of. They're an afterthought. That's why I have such an annoying, huge chip on my shoulder. If you ever want to know why it sounds like I'm always looking for ways to to find the next uh, tidbit of disrespect that my teams or me have been has been passed along why i've got that perpetual chip on shoulder it's because i'm a white Sox fan coming from that city okay no respect ever to that team people love the cubs right love them they love them um but the number one team and this will be for all time even if they're abject trash like they are this season and have been for the last couple of years it's the bears the bears are number one the 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 most legendary chicago sports stories come from the Chicago Bears organization. A Chicago Bears Super Bowl, no matter when, a championship, a Super Bowl title will 
will will be placed in the pantheon of great Chicago sports moments ahead of the Cubs winning the World Series in 2016. Like, that's just how it is. And I'm sure Cubs fans would argue with me on that, but as a whole, that's the case, okay? So anything Bears is going to immediately move to number one pantheon. That's why Dick Butkus passing away is a day of mourning in the city of Chicago. I never saw him play. Never saw him play, but I felt sadness. I, I felt that pit in my stomach uh, last night when I saw on social media first that he had passed away just because as a kid growing up in that area, he's still front and center amongst Bears fans. This is even after the 85 Bears who are held in the highest esteem. He is the pinnacle. He is the standard. He's the guy that you don't know if the stories about him are true, but him breaking other people's bones, him uh, in a game against the Detroit Lions in the 70s, injuring every part of the I formation, uh, the center, the quarterback, uh, the, the tailback and the fullback injured every single part of the power eye that they put out there. Uh, you don't know if it's true, but you just believe it to be true because he was held in such superhuman esteem. And so with Dick Butkus passing away yesterday, I was thinking, I don't think as a kid there was another player that I I was not alive to see play that I had heard more about. He's that guy. I saw the back end of, even as a small child, but I saw the back end of Walter Payton. Um, Michael Jordan, of course, I saw him in his prime uh, Frank Thomas, he was my favorite player growing up. Right, Hank. Uh, so I, I saw, I saw all these guys: Chris Chelios, Jeremy Roenick. If we're talking Blackhawks, um, so it was, it was Dick Butkus. That was the guy I didn't see play, but he was always very much still in the Chicago sports, uh, the, the the lexicon. He he existed, even though he was doing TV and films and doing his whole California thing by that point. We've all, we've all experienced that. Stone's experienced it. He's significantly younger than me. Some of you are significantly older than me. Some of you are listening significantly younger than me. Who was the legendary sports hero from before your time you always heard about as a kid? Mine happened to be regional. Maybe for you it's not regional, but Chicago, rich sports tapestry, like it was Butkus. There were mythical tales about him and just how badass and tough that guy was. Who is the legendary sports hero from before your time you always heard about as a kid? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. And you can uh, go at it on social media at KLV1063. 888-760-3776. Quite an, uh, a, a way to kick us off on this uh, from Mike. He says, Dick Butkus has one of the greatest names in sports up there with Dick Trickle. Lake Speed, Hakan Lube, and Ron Tugnut. Thanks, Mike. I'm glad we got the uh, Dick Butt Kiss and Dick Trickle giggle out of the way. 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. I suppose Mike is right. Dick Butt Kiss, objectively one of the the better sports names in the history of well, sports. It's an all-time great name. Yeah. Uh, Andrew messages, Rick Barry. He was my dad's basketball goat. He'd go to Barry's games at University of Miami as a teenager, and with no NBA team down here, he rooted for the Warriors after that. 
That's a good one, Rick Barry. Uh, and I, I want to, my dad, my dad, Greg, he is, he, he's definitely not a sports meatball. Sports fan. Uh, he dragged me into the White Sox fandom that tortures me today. Thanks a lot, Dad. Um, but he's definitely not a meatball. It's not like we would sit by the fire and he'd say, son, let me tell you about old 51 Dick Butkus. No, uh, this, this wasn't that. Um, my dad did not uh, spin yarns about the 70s Bears linebacking core. Okay? Um, this is just how it was. Dick Butkist. I, I remember they retired his number on Halloween night, 1994, um, in a driving rainstorm at halftime, Monday night football, Bears and Packers. And it was so perfect that Dick Butkus would have his number retired in a driving rainstorm where most of humanity would say, bleep this. This is too uncomfortable. And there he is standing at midfield in a driving rainstorm that earlier in the night had caused a commercial uh, airliner to crash in northwest Indiana. And there he is sitting there and, and in pouring rain getting his number retired. It was perfect. One of the vivid, vivid memories of my childhood. Who was the legendary sports hero from before your time you always heard about as a kid? 888-760-3776. 888-760-3776. Zach is in Fort Pierce, and he joins us on ESPN 106.3. Hey, Zach. Hey, what's up? I got two comments. Uh, sure. My dad was always a big Pete Rose guy. Okay. Um, so that was uh, probably who I would say. The second I comment I have to make, a little unrelated, why are Rays fans being dragged for the attendance during the postseason <laughs> on a 3 o'clock game on a Tuesday? I'm uh, seeing so much about hate on them. Question, Zach. Are you a Rays fan? Of course I am. All right. Zach, it's because um, when you have the lowest attendance since Game 7 of the 1919 World Series, I don't care if it's a 3 o'clock game, that's a bad look when three weeks before your owner said, we will build a new stadium right across the street. For you to keep everybody in St. Pete, it's a bad look. And just a little background, 2008, that was the first of this run of postseason appearances for the Rays. Game one against the White Sox, I hauled my ass all the way over there, and me and 34,999 other people took in that game. That was a 230 first pitch. I don't know what's changed. This was a 99-win team. It's just an objectively bad look, and I don't want to hear about, oh, it takes so long to get to St. Pete. Oh, everybody's from somewhere else. It's just excuses. They, they, the, the race no, fans. Right about that. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I, 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 yeah, wa- I agree with that part. Like, that, that's the thing. It's just all excuse stuff. And so I, I understand why you take it personally. I do the same thing with the Heat. I do the same thing with, with the Dolphins. There's going to be a lot of Giants fans there this weekend. But after this much time and this much baseball success the Rays have had, you can't make those excuses anymore. Yeah, it was tough. It was a tough show out, honestly. But the media has just been killing the fans. Well, and as a fan to watch that, it kind of hurt. Well, honestly. this Zach, this is why. This is one, one, race fans deserve the criticism. But two, a lot of the media you're hearing are aligned with the Yankees and Red Sox. And in lieu of not being able to beat the Yankees and Red Sox, or to beat the Rays, if you're the Yankees and the Red Sox, it's easier to pile on the fans. You understand that, That's right? True. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Point well made. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I appreciate it. Yep. You got it. You got it, Zach. I'm just here to. Try and make people feel better, right? Right, Stone? I'm just here for the people. Yeah, I, I love it. Zach knows, right? You got to eat crow on this one. There's yeah, not much but, uh, you But can again, do. when you have Northeast-based media and the Yankees can't beat the Rays and the Red Sox can't beat the Rays, it develops a complex. And so what's the easiest thing to do? Just crap all over the fans. It's honestly, it's, it's what, October right now? I, I will say one of the most aggravating 
let's just call it a narrative, is what Yankees fans are doing right now. Like, I'm not a baseball guy. My timeline isn't just flooded with baseball stuff on the norm, but it's so much Yankees making fun of Rays, and we get it. Like, we know why they're doing it. They're the most annoying fans in the world. Oh, they yeah. make their self clear every I mean, single year. You've had Giancarlo stand in there and judge, and you have nothing to show for I mean, it. nothing. I, I have some self-awareness and some self-respect, for that matter. Nothing. The worst one that I've seen is is you played 72 hours uh, more baseball than we have. In, in yeah, a sense for the and that's a, like, funny a line. that's a funny line, but if you're going to end up uh, using that as your off-season mantra... Yankees fans, yeah. you guys have dropped a long way. You went from perennial championship contenders and World Series champions trolls. to... Yeah, you're right. You've turned into trolls. That's what the Yankees are. The, the proud Yankees fan base now, they're just trolls. That's sad. Uh, since uh, I've spent so much time talking Chicago sports and Dick Butkus here uh, in the first 34 minutes of the show, I might as well just turn this into ESPN 1000. 30 years ago today, Michael Jordan's first retirement. <laughs> oh, Yeah. I feel like this should just be a day where I regale people with my tales of Chicago sports fandom. If I really want to bore people to tears. What a parallel, though. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you have Dick Butkus passing away. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael on, Jordan, 30th anniversary. Yeah. Following. It happened, it happened uh, the day after game one of the ALCS 93, the White Sox and the Blue Jays. Woo! The Bears win their first game in 347 days. Oh, my God. The Bears last night. My God. Chicago on top. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, let's go to. And by the way, Pat Perez. Live Golf Heel. Pat Perez joins us uh, in about 10 minutes' time. Eric in Loxahatchee here on ESPN 106.3. Eric, who is that legendary sports hero that you never saw play but you heard about a ton? Oh, hey, guys. Yeah, it's uh, growing up, I got to see Mike Tyson with all the pay-per-view fights and, mm-hmm. and in all his glory. I couldn't imagine anybody going toe-to-toe with him then, but my dad never stopped talking about Muhammad Ali <laughs> and how great he was uh-huh. and how Tyson couldn't touch him. Uh, Eric, so that, I, that, I would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, Eric, I have a feeling you're not the only one who got the old Muhammad Ali treatment uh, as uh, as a kid. That is, And that turns into a, back in my day, these were the real fighters. These were the real fighters. Like, there's the, the generation of sports fan who feels great offense when the newcomers come in and they start hearing the proclamations of, uh, is he the greatest? Uh, is he comparable to X player? And that's your, your old man's generation. And then that's where they start to, to, to get offended. They start to get tense. Like, no, he would kick his ass. Yeah, yeah. luckily I, I'm not surrounded by that. My pops does not work like that. He knows what uh, talent looks like. Mm-hmm. He knows guys can jump and run out the gym right now. He's not going to tell me that Ray Ninchke is a better linebacker than Fred Warner. It's just not going to happen. So I'm curious about you because you uh, you were you were not born. You were born in North Carolina, but you spent a great part of your uh, your developmental life uh, here in Florida and uh, up into the up into the Treasure Coast. Who who is an athlete you heard about all the time though? You never saw him play, but you as a a young burgeoning Stone Lebanowitz sports fan. Uh, you, you you heard tales about uh, either, it either annoyed you or developed great appreciation for that athlete because you heard about him so often. Yeah, for me, this one's easy. It's Dennis Rodman. I, I think one because... God, am I old. God Christ, am I old. Right, I, I guess the legend that I, I bring up with somebody that, oh, that was boy. just a normal I, person It did not occur to me screen. that you would bring up somebody that was a big part of my... Well, some post-pubescent life. (laughs) And I hate to stay in Chicago. I I truly do. But the answer No, no, I say just welcome. And we're just going to talk Chicago all day. (laughs) I will go on social right now. Anybody in Chicago, tune in. Hey, but seriously, it's Dennis Rodman. I I think, one, because there aren't many players like him nowadays. And we cherish the ones that do 
relate to him, like the Marshawn Lynches. Like, that's the only Dennis Rodman we have in our era. There isn't anybody else who's showing up on game day, who, who's skipping practice, right? Because now you're going to get blasted on social media. You're going to get torched for that kind of stuff. Now we're looking for the puff and how good of a player this guy is and what he means to his team, like Baker Mayfield taking his guys to the Bahamas. Instead, the cat being hung over, showing up and dropping, well, I guess he didn't drop many points, but, you know, boarding. 24 of them, like that kind of stuff. So so Dennis was special, and I think I, I really came to hear a bunch of the stories, obviously with the Last Dance documentary and the girlfriends and, and the drugs and everything he was into. But for somebody, I think, to be that popular, to be that about themselves, I, I guess I'll call him free, that free, yeah. in a sense, the spirit. There's just not he many guys like him. He was ahead of his time and not given a bleep. Right, and I, I, I wish like, guys we, were like that we more. Sit here, we sit here in 2023 and... <gasps> Oh, uh, the, uh, the, the, the cross-dressers. Oh, God. Grooming our children. No. I remember, I remember asking my dad, hey, Dennis Rodman's having a book signing downtown. Can we go downtown? And that's when he showed up dressed as a bride, and people loved it. They loved, loved it. it. Thought he was weird, but they loved it because that was just Dennis being Dennis. These days, oh, a man's dressing in women's clothes. Oh, like, come on. Like, just... What would Dennis Rodman do? And he'd probably slap you in the face. Oh, you, you beat me to it. I was just say, see, Dennis didn't care. He would just punch you square in your teeth. Right, like, it just right. didn't matter. And now... It's like, mind your own damn business. TMZ will spot Luka Doncic drinking a beer, you know, during the season, and we blow it up. Like, oh, my God, how could this guy? Yeah. And how by the way... How could this guy? Just while we're on Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman, while dressing in women's clothing and dressing up as a bride and doing all these things, he also, while he was doing that, was sleeping with consistently the most beautiful women to ever grace the planet. Yeah. Okay. Dennis Rodman is just different. Yeah. And now there are guys like Jimmy G who are out here going on dates with porn stars. Like it, there are levels to this. But I'll say this about Jimmy G. Uh, it's a bold move, but it also shows supreme confidence. I mean, of if course. You're, if you're seeking out porn stars who their standards uh, from a performance standpoint are high uh, and he thinks he can hang. I mean, that's confidence. It's right just, there. yeah, now I hear it. It's just, we've become corny nowadays. Like, I, I, I feel, I hate hey, to everybody say Everybody has a type, man. And no, I'm and not even talking to be about that. that you, can, you can just uh, dial up on the old hub. So be it. No, no, I'm not even talking about Jimmy oh, okay. G and the porn stars. I'm just I talking about. I was just talking about me. Yeah, you were. <laughs> I'm just talking about lifestyles. Like, guys can't can't live the life they want to live nowadays. You got to stay hidden and yeah, everything's streamed, everything's let's, seen. Let's just roll, man. Everybody mind roll. their own damn business and let's roll. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike says, when I was growing up, up Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Bobby Orr, Wilt Chamberlain. Zach says Jim Bleeping Brown. Jim Bleeping Brown. Now, what's funny here, we've had Dick Butkus. He is the the legend that I heard about. Uh, Never saw him play, but I heard about him most. Linebacker, right? Zach, Jim Bleeping Brown. Running back. Notice how we don't really have any quarterbacks in here yet. We're talking football players. This was before my time back in an era where non-quarterbacks could thrive. We're in an era of football where it's all quarterback all the time, right? Like, think about it. The greatest quarterbacks, the generation before me that I didn't see play, I never saw play, we're talking uh, Johnny Unitas. Uh Uh-huh. We're talking... Fran. Joe Namath. We're talking Fran Tarkenton. Bart. Uh, Bart Starr, exactly. (laughs) So, think about it. Those guys trying to play that position in this era of football or the era of football 80s into the 90s where it was we're starting to air that ball out all the time it was just different yeah right now the generation after me or after us 
It's going to be all quarterbacks. I saw Patrick Mahomes play. I saw Tom Brady play. I saw, or, or I heard about Tom Brady. I heard about Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be all quarterbacks. It's going to be all quarterbacks. I grew up in a time where I was watching Dan Marino. All right, I was uh, I was watching Jim Harbaugh. I was uh, I was uh, I was watching these guys. So it doesn't count. It was a different era of football where Dick Butkus would be held up on a pedestal, right? Where 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 you have a God forbid a running back, Jim Brown, head up on a pedestal. You never saw him, but you heard the legend of. Now the generation after me, it's all going to be the legend of insert quarterback here. All right, it's the the, the I, I didn't see him, but I always heard about Tua. Perfect world. No, I hate you. You just had. I was like, don't insert Tua in this. Uh, Live Golf is coming up at uh, Trump National Doral, October 20th through the 22nd. Uh, Pat Perez will be there. Uh, we will talk with Pat Perez next about a variety of things and perhaps the most punchable faces in golf. You never know. He's a lightning rod for controversy. He's taking the time to hang out with Stone and myself. Pat Perez, Live Golf. When we come back, he's Stone the Banowitz. I'm Ken Levick. It's Levicka, Theo, and Stone on ESPN 106.3. From the NHR and Levine Accident Attorney Studios, it's Levicka, Theo, and Stone on ESPN 106.3. Yeah, I told you, he's golf's heel. Making us wait on him. We're scheduled to be joined by Pat Perez. Come on, Pat. Golf. Scheduled, TBD. He's just playing his heel role, right? Just, the, just, just showing up late. Yeah, I guess. That's what heels do. Joining this show is the best publicity you can get. I mean, come on. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, the uh, the best daily fantasy you can play is Prize Picks. Gonna have a face full of Prize Picks this weekend. NFL. By the way, if you followed Stone Labanowitz and me putting together our pick three last night, or yesterday, I should say, four last night on prize picks, guess what? 20 bucks, gave you 100. Bingo. I mean, absolutely nailed it. Hashtag Justin Fields. Yeah. He was the key cog to that entire thing. The double more than with uh, Jay Fields? Uh-huh. It was awesome. Chalk it up. Prize picks, the best daily fantasy. It's the easiest and the most fun to play. That app is so simple to navigate. It's cut and dry. More than less than. More than less than. A variety of numbers. Variety of opportunities to win yourself money. So yesterday I just had a, a classic pick three. Put in 20 to win 100. Bam. $100 in the old bank. I'll do some pick four this weekend. Maybe multiple. Maybe play some NFL first quarter action. It's just all good stuff. And prize picks. Not only do they want to give you the best opportunities to win... The most opportunities to win in the daily fantasy realm, the daily fantasy sphere, they want to hand you cash. They're going to double your deposit up to $100 with the promo code KLV. KLV. That's prize picks. Download the app. That's prize picks. Set it up on your phone. Set up your winning picks. Follow it throughout the game. Real time scoring. And you watch the money come in. I love prize picks. Little extra oomph on the side. Can't beat that. Prize picks. Use the promo code KLV. Promo code KLV. That's prize picks. I did not have DJ Moore uh, with three touchdowns last night. I did not have DJ Moore with three touchdowns last night. 
did the Washington Commanders maybe want to try something with DJ Moore last night? Anything. It was like watching Cater Kohu try to defend Stephon Diggs one-on-one. I mean, DJ Moore did whatever he wanted last night, and he had another touchdown taken off the board. He did. They say eh. he stepped out of bounds. Eh. I thought that he was was inbounds. I think we all did, but there was an angle posted this morning that I saw. He was oh, uh, took till this morning. It took till this morning. So he's a pruder filmed it enough. Uh, we got yeah. enough shots from uh, the satellite uh, orbiting Earth to determine that he had a blade of white grass under him. Yes, Good. Uh, I'm glad. Thanks to Twitter, right? Not Amazon Prime that we got our answer. Uh, uh, this number was crazy to me. This number was absolutely insane to me. DJ Moore had 230 of the Bears' 282 receiving yards. That's something you see in, like, high school football. That's something that maybe you see at specific levels of college football. I mean, it happened all the time last year with uh, Max Duggan and Quentin Johnson and TCU. TCU, that's different. Yeah. That's a great point. You're right. In the NFL, in the NFL... You had one receiver go full, like, high school senior, bigger than everybody else, mode last night. DJ Moore, 230 of the 282 receiving yards the Bears had against another NFL team. Like, that would be difficult to do if the Bears were going against a, a Division three college team. Have one player go for 230 and account for like 95% of the receiving production. I don't know if I've seen that at the NFL level. That's insanity. Yeah, first, How does that happen? First, well, I think we got our answer with Mike Tannenbaum. Emmanuel Forbes, I wrote that name down. He now is the uh, Cater Kohu, right? He's the guy to look out for when you're a receiver. It's genius, actually, uh, for, for Mike Tannenbaum to drop some fantasy football knowledge. Whoever, whoever's playing Washington, take that receiver. Whoever's going to shadow, apparently the number one. But... I think at its core, it's pathetic. It's similar to a stat line or a player if their contract's incentive-based and you're at the end of the season and this yeah. guy needs some catches and yards, hey, we're going to force him to football. Right, right. Maybe that's when it happens yeah. is when you're trying to hit uh, a piece of that contract. That's, that's exactly right. That's all I can think of. Um, that was horrific from the Commanders as a team last night. Like I, I know that we're picking on Forbes and DJ Moore went off, but, I mean, you allowed you allowed 40 points to the Chicago Bears. 40 points to the Chicago Bears offense. That is a nightmare. <sighs> and Ron, Ron Rivera, after the game last night, did the thing. It comes from the top. It comes from the top. Uh, I mean, dude, it, I understand wanting to take accountability for that, but I need more of an explanation than it comes from the top. Like That was the defense. The, the Bears just ran all over him. It wasn't just DJ Moore in his 230 receiving yards of 282. It's the fact that they just they were running on third and seven, third and eight, picking up first downs, Chase Young, nor to be found. I mean, that was a horrifyingly bad performance from Washington last night. <laughs> I think on face value it was. The second half looked a lot better. but A lot better, but unfortunately uh, you had allowed, what, 31 points at halftime? Yeah, no, it was a 27-3. I think it might have been 27-3. Uh, I was thinking line. it was 31-14 in the third. You're right. You're right. Yeah. It was 27-3. They gave up 27 points in the first half to the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I think a few things to look at, though, because in a sense I think everyone's cherry-picking, but for the Bears... They did the same thing last week in the first half against the Denver Broncos. Now, obviously, a Denver Broncos team who let up uh, <clears throat> 70 points to the Miami Dolphins. Right. But Justin 31 Fields, at halftime. Justin Fields is the guy who uh, leads the league in touchdown passes right now, 
who's played really well statistically in like first half ball games. I don't know. It's weird. They did they did similar things on offense against the Broncos. If they didn't lose that game, this wouldn't have been that crazy. Uh, of so maybe line. maybe they've they're they're figuring some things out at least from the Justin Fields standpoint. Yeah, they of just things. they just finally got the result they so wanted. Let me ask you: Are we still bullish on Justin Fields now? Because I have been saying from the start all this talk in the offseason about bullish him being as an MVP. How? At bullish as in hey, there's a lot of good to come here with Justin Fields because this week it's uh, it was Mike Greenberg. The Bears are failing him. The Bears are failing him. You see, the Bears are breaking this man. Uh, but then I go back and in the offseason, Dan Orlovsky's dropping an MVP candidate, uh, Dark Horse MVP, and I poo pooed that immediately. Like Justin Fields is fine. He ain't that good. I still don't think Justin Fields is that good. He still misses throws that he should be making on a consistent basis. DJ Moore balled out last night. I got I mean, I'll, I'll give Justin Fields credit. He was good, and they didn't ask him to do too much. It was intermediate balls, getting guys in space. Huh, what a concept. It's yeah. almost as if you don't have to throw a Justin Herbert deep ball to succeed as a quarterback in the NFL. You just need some accuracy and some patience and some protection. And Justin Fields had all of that the accuracy at times last night he's still not an mvp candidate but are we are we back to not digging this man a football grave anymore i guess it's the question to ask right and schematically they are hard to defend when you have a guy who can tuck in and go you talked about running the ball in third and seven like you never know what you're going to get when justin fields is back there if you're a dc trying to uh stop this bears team there's so many ways they can go there's so many ways they can play offense are we bullish um us, maybe not yet. Dan Orlovsky. I'm sort of man-ish. As we should be. Dan Orlovsky, on the other hand, is taken to Twitter last night to talk about... I always, I always should have trusted my eyes. The kid can play ball. It's like, okay, give me a break. Give me a break. You can't be hanging on to Justin Fields. This team was almost, almost, barring a, a comeback last night, almost right. 0-5. So Dan Orlovsky... I think I got his tweet right. He said, I know I should have always trusted my eyes. He can play ball. I'm like, oh, my God. I don't think that anybody was ever questioning Justin Fields' ability to play ball, though. I think the question is Justin Fields and his ability to play consistent elite ball. That's the question. When you start making proclamations of MVP like Dan Orlovsky did, Dan Orlovsky then can't told you so Exactly. with... I should have trusted my eyes. I knew the guy could play ball. No, that's not the question. We know he can play ball. We know that. We understand that. We've seen that. You're a dope if you don't think he can. It's the consistent elite ball thing where you can't just wash away, oh, I should have trusted my eyes with, with a comment like that. You can't, you can't just try and redeem yourself through, through that avenue. Like Justin Fields, is, he's fine. He's fine. But he still hasn't answered questions about being an MVP candidate, which was the declaration, Dan. Yeah, and if you're Dan, you can't pull the I told you so card after a win over the Washington Commanders. I haven't been told anything, and I'm not trying to hate on Justin Fields. That was an objectively good performance last night, and he maximized his best weapon. And the offensive game plan was able to allow the best weapon to be maximized. But I haven't been told anything about Justin Fields. Like, not yet. Yeah, no reason for us to be bullish. He's kind of got to prove it. And I think that's saying nothing wise. He has to prove pretty much everybody in the country, everybody who watches the NFL, plays fantasy football, whatever it is, Justin Fields is still on the clock. Last night, uh, I had seen a stat. He's on everybody's bench, like 90% of benches in in fantasy football. So nobody really believes in him. Well, he's about to. What's going to be funny is when he goes back 
onto people's exactly. lineups in fantasy football and then throws up more stinkers. You know? <laughs> exactly. And I'm curious to see who they even play next week. But uh, yeah, you're exactly right. That's typically how this goes. Well, the the Washington Commanders are now... The Vikings. Uh, they got the Vikings next yeah. week. Well, I think he could put up some, some numbers against Brian Flores. <laughs> um, I think that the Washington Commanders are now tied with the LA Rams for most confounding team in the NFL. Like, you just don't know what they are, what their ceiling is, what their low point is, where's their basement, because I was talking up the commanders and Sam Howell yesterday, and hey, I like what Eric Bieniemy's done, and I kind of like uh, this commander's team, and then they give up 27 points to a team that had lost 14 in a row uh, going into last night in the Chicago Bears. So I don't, I don't know what the Rams are. I know the Rams are fun, they're competitive, but they also go through lulls where they look bad, and the Commanders are basically the Rams of the East. Yeah, so the Rams, they, they, Those two teams are the teams I know least about because I don't know what I'm getting week after week. And it's funny we're trying to compare the Commanders. Not that we're trying, I agree. I, I think the parallels are there. We're trying to the Commanders compare. don't suck. No, the effort's there. But they can suck. Sure. Yeah, there's a difference between sucking, like being sucky, and then having the, the ability to suck. Those are different. I'd rather have the ability to suck and not be sucky. The commanders, though, I just don't know how much we get to their ability to suck. Last night it was on full display. Hopefully everybody followed that. I, was, I don't uh, know. I was trying. No, but I think like, I'm just talking to myself. No, but it, no, it, it does make a lot of sense. Like It's kind of any given Sunday in the bad way. Like, this team could go out and, and perform really well. They yeah, have the pieces. Terry McLaren, let's go. All Sam Howell, guys. let's go. Or he can be like, oh, my God, the Bears are, are massacring them on their home field. We're going to fist fight if you say Terry McLaren one more time. It's not Terry McLaren. They don't pronounce it McLaurin. Every single human being pronounces it McLaurin. You can look up anything you want to. You do play-by-play. You are one of the most profound play-by-play announcers I've ever heard with my ears. You're calling him McLaren. It's not McLaren. All right, we're going to look it up. I already looked it up. You don't want to look it up. <laughs> we're going to we're going to actually really look it up. Were you not watching the game last night? Um uh, maybe maybe Pat Perez. We'll see. Maybe live <laughs> Come golf on, Pat, Pat Perez. Um and McLaren or McLaurin when we come back. He's Stone the Banowitz. I'm Ken Lavica. I'm going to die on this McLaren hill. It is Lavica Theo and Stone right here on ESPN 1063.